two main places today in the Word. The first one is over in Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to go back over to the book of Judges as well. We began to look at this fourth, or I'm sorry, the seventh qualification that we need to walk in, that we need to operate in, in order for us to reach a greater level of maturity. And that is the one edification. Passage we looked at last week, we looked at Moses. We looked at how God edified him and built him up. We don't know how long God was edifying Moses, how long God was building Moses up until Moses finally got going. But we know that by the time he was done with him at the burning bush, Moses got going into the call that God had for him. God may have been at it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever time it was that he was going and encouraging him. But on this one, he finally did get going. And we saw in the things we were looking at last week that you are already an encourager. You cannot help but in your daily life to encourage the thoughts, the behaviors, and other people. Some of those behaviors we like, some of those behaviors we don't. But you are encouraging. Sometimes we look at the things that our kids do. If your children are lying to you, not, present, not bringing you the truth, perhaps you have encouraged them to do so. We are always out there encouraging some things. If you tell your children, I want you to tell me the truth at all times, and then they do, and then you really hit them with uh, uh, just uh, words and even harsh words, lambast them for the things that they had done, they're going to learn through the encouragement that you give them that they say they want me to tell the truth, but they don't really want me to tell the truth. And it's better for me if I don't. We've encouraged them in these, these kind of behaviors. Over at work, you can encourage people to help you, you can encourage people not to help you. It all depends on how you respond and how you, you uh, react to the help that you get. And what you have to look at is what, in the lives of other people. I have to come to the realization that if I am not getting what I like out of the people that are around me, more than likely I have encouraged somehow the wrong responses, the wrong behaviors, wrong something from them. And this is what we have to, to look at. God encouraged Moses, got him going. We've talked about how encouragers need to be honest about good and bad. If you're always giving good, then they're going to have a hard time if they see that something you said that you thought was good, you didn't really think so. So the great encouragers are greatly selfless. Encouraging words will have the greatest effect on those that are drawn to hear them. You may have some encouraging words, but if people are not drawn to hear words that you speak, they're not necessarily going to respond to those words. So we have to find out how is it that I can get people to be drawn to the words that I speak. And we talked some things about that uh, last week. Encouragement will reignite when bewildered. It will redirect when beguiled. And it will reinvigorate when besieged. First Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. We're exhorted to walk in the area of edification to, toward one another. And we ended it up with encouragement needs words that have substance. They can't just be words that are so general that there's no substance to them. They need to have substance. You need to encourage. Encouragement needs words that take action. You can go over there, as James said, be warm and be filled. 
But if I am not going out there and doing some things to help them be warm and be filled, I'm not taking any action. Encouragement, sometimes you need to get in there and take action with them. Encouragement needs words that make the invisible seen. God was speaking words to Moses, and God has spoke, will be speaking words to some of the people in the passages we look at today, where he sees something, and through his words of encouragement, he is trying to make those invisible things seen. Encouragement needs words that teach, and encouragement needs words that awaken. And so those are the, some of the things we spent time on last week. If you weren't here for that, then catch that. You can uh, go to our YouTube channel. You can go to the Facebook page. You can go to sermon.net podcast. There's all kinds of places where that is up there. But here, in, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to look at how God encouraged Joshua. So we saw how God encouraged Moses. Let's take a look at how God encouraged Joshua. Now, one thing I did want to say last week, we looked at five different things that God did towards Moses. I mean, remember we talked about last week that last week's message was brought to you by the letter E and the number five. Well, we haven't lost our number five yet. We'll get back into that. But just because God had done five particular things to encourage him does not mean God always has to do or that you always have to do those five things whenever you're encouraging somebody. And in fact, in this very first one we're looking at, we're going to see an absence of five. And there's a reason for it. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Now edification doesn't deny what's going on. Moses is dead. Sometimes when we need to edify some people, you need to acknowledge some of the things that are going on. Some of the things that are going on that are good. Some of the things that are going on that are not good. You need to be able to acknowledge that and do so in a, in a direct but a good way. So he just comes and says, look, Moses is dead. Let's go. So edification doesn't deny what is going on. Edifica- edification calls us to action. Edification calls us to action. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So Moses is dead. Now this is what you need to do. And so edification will, will have a call to action to it. God is calling him. To, look, don't stay here. Don't sit around and mourn over Moses. Moses is dead. Now you, let's get moving. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward going down to the sun shall be your territory. So this is what he had spoken before. He is reminding them here. And I put this note in your, in your outline. Edification reminds or teaches us of what has been done on our behalf or has been given to us. One of the things of education is to remind us what has been done on our behalf or what has been given to us. Here, uh, God is reminding Joshua of these things that he has spoken in the past and he's reminding him of what he is going to do 
the promises that are there. This is what you have. Sometimes when you're out edifying people, you need to remind them of the things that they have. Don't you know that God has done this? Don't you know that God has moved in this way? Don't you know that God has provided these things for you? And we need to go over some of those, some of those things that are there. So edification reminds or teaches us of what has been done on our behalf or has been given to us. That's one of the things that we'll do. Verse 5, Now no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Edification reminds or teaches us who we are in Him. That is the thing that edification will do. It will remind you or teach you if you don't know, you're going to run into some people who just don't know who they are in Him. And to them, you have to teach them. And that's a form of edification right there. You're teaching them who they are in Christ. Sometimes you just need to remind them. They've already learned. They've already seen. Just remind them. Edification reminds or teaches us what He has done for others. For, I'm sorry, for other successful believers. Look what I did for Moses. Just as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. You saw the example. You saw how I was with Moses. You saw the things I did through him. You saw how I used him. So he's reminding him of this. And he expects him to be edified off of these things. So edification reminds us or teaches us what he has done for others, for other successful believers. Then he goes on. This is the passage that we are probably more familiar with. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and of good courage, is what he's telling him. Only be strong and very courageous, he reminds them again, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. There's, I believe, the no, not, not quite the last thing. Edification challenges us to attain to God's standards and expectations. God has standards. Contrary to some of the things that people teach in ultra grace, contrary to some of the things that people want to teach in we are not under the law, so forth like, like these things, we have to remember that God still has standards. God has things that He wants us to live up to. God says, this is where we're at. This is what, we're, what I want you to do. And so there's a standard that we have to live up to. But God often expects us to go beyond the standard. All right, this is what I expect out of you. Now you should be able to go beyond this. You should be able to go into a, into a higher place. So these are the things we need to keep in mind. Edification challenges us to attain to God's standards and expectations. God will do this with us. Sometimes he'll pull us aside and say, look, this is what you can do. Don't think less of yourself. You can do this. You can hit this level. This is what I've called for, and you can do it. You've got what you need. This is what the ministry needs, and you can do it. You've got it in there. And sometimes God is going to edify you this way. We can also edify other people in the same way. Let them know. You can do this. It is in you. If God called you to do it, if God asked you to do it, if God put it in you to do it, then you can do it. And you edify them, build them up by letting them know you can do this. Too often Christians... We go out and we become defeated. We begin to think, I can't get this done. I can't do it because we're bombarded with thoughts. We're bombarded by people. We're bombarded by natural events. 
that constantly tell us, that's just a review from what we're doing on Wednesday nights in the spiritual warfare area. That's where spiritual warfare comes from. But you are bombarded in these areas. It is trying to get you to think you cannot do what God says. You cannot live up to God's standards. And here is a lesser standard for you to live up to. This you can do. Don't fall for it. Take the edification that God has given us. So he says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Edification challenges us to attain to God's standards and expectations. It will challenge you to attain to God's standards and expectations. He says, don't turn from the right. Don't, don't move off. Head for that. See that goal. See that standard. See what I've called you to. Keep going to it. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. There are going to be people. There are going to be natural things. There are going to be thoughts to try and get you to turn. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Don't we all know that? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, people in some of this ultra-grace stuff that is going around the, the church that people are teaching is not new. Paul dealt with it too. But if we're going to live in life, or if we're going to live a life doing what you think is good and not what God called for, if we're going to live to a standard that we think we ought to live to and not the standard that God called us to, God won't be able to move on our behalf to the extent that He could if He did. And that's why the enemy wants to get you to live up to a, a lower standard. Just don't live up to this. Just come down a little bit. And this is what happened when, when uh, the story of Balaam, when he gave the counsel. Get them to compromise. Get them to not do the standard that God had said. If you do that, we're going to bring something uh, upon them. We're going to put them in a place of judgment. Because they weren't just going and not living up to the standard. They were going against the things that God said. And doing what God had said not to do. So edification leads you to daily steps towards success. Edification will lead you to daily steps toward success. He will give you, here, do this, do this, do this. One of the ways that God will edify us, one of the ways that we can edify the people that are in our life, is there can be some daily steps. Here, you can go here, do this, do this. And he tells them, meditate in this word. That's one of the steps that we need to do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Not only meditate it in your thoughts, but get it in your mouth. Be speaking it. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So right there you have speak it, think it, and do it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So here's the way to success that he tells you right here. Speak the word. Think the word. And do the word. There's your three steps. Speak the word. Think the word. And do the word. He's given him steps in this. This is one of the processes of edification. When you go up to somebody and you're helping them, give them some steps. Here's some steps to do. Here's some things that you can, you can work on. For I have not, for have, no, have I not commanded you? Be strong and a good courage. 
Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, he says this to him a couple of times. The Lord is with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And he says it here again. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember that. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, we, I, I see that in the Word, and I wonder, how many things does God speak to us that just go right over our head? Or we hear them so many times, we just don't think that much about them anymore. Yes, I've heard that before, but it doesn't seem to change much for me. God is with me. I put this in your outline. Did you, did you utilize the presence of God, or was He just there? Sometimes... God is there, but we're not utilizing the presence of God. We're not doing anything with Him being there. Not only is He going to be there, He's got to be there. I've got to take advantage of Him being there. I've got to utilize Him. Now, God said to Moses, Moses, I'm going to be with you. God said to Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. There's two times here, just in this, this uh, really this, this story of Israel, we have the time with Moses, we have the time with Joshua, and God says, I will be with you. And he repeats it. I will be with you. I'm going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be there with you. He keeps repeating this to him. So it would seem that to God, this is important. If it's important to God, what happens to us if it becomes less important? If we just don't think of it. Well, I don't think I can get this done. I don't think I can do this. Yeah, but God is with you. Well, yeah, but that doesn't really mean a whole lot. I mean, we won't say that out loud. But sometimes the way our life is going, we're beginning to think that. I want you to turn over to the book of Judges. We were just here not too long ago, but I want us to take a look at it again, just for this uh, process of edification. Now the angel of the Lord, verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abirzrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. How many times is that? This is the third person that we've come to here in the Word of God where he says, I am with you. God said it to Moses to lead Israel. God said it to Joshua to lead Israel. God says it to Gideon to lead Israel. I will be with you. I think those words mean more than we know. I think God expects us to utilize those words in more than we know. We've got to understand what these, these words mean. I will. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, he says to him. Now, God also declares how Gideon is seen. Sometimes God will declare how you're seen to God, and we have a hard time receiving that as well, just like Gideon did. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. This is a common response. This is how I think a lot of Christians look at this. When the Lord says, I am with you, when the Lord says, I will be with you, we respond, if the Lord is with me, why does all this happen? Why am I in the midst of all these things? Why is life going for me 
the way that it is, if the Lord is with me. If the Lord is with me, why am I not prospering on my job more? If the Lord is with me, why am I not getting um, a raise when I think I ought to get a raise? If the Lord is with me, why is life going in this particular direction? Why are these hard times coming upon me? Why is this hardship here? We can come up with all kinds of things. If the Lord is with me, why is this going on in my life? How many can say in your life that you have some situations where you can say, if the Lord is with me, why? Anybody got that? If the Lord is with me, why? So this is where a lot of Christians are. If the Lord is with me, if that's supposed to mean so much, then why hasn't this changed? Gideon is thinking, the Lord, if the Lord is with us, all this should be changing. This shouldn't be going on. But the reason that the Midianites have supremacy over Israel is because Israel gave in to sins. Israel gave in to idolatrous worship. Israel gave in to not following after the Lord's commands like they were supposed to do. If they had done those things, if they had walked in those ways, that wouldn't have been the case. But this is where they went. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. It would be kind of like, you know, if, if Max or me are going off to school. And as they go on off to school, Mom and Dad say, We'll be with you. And so you go in there, you take the test. Where's Mom and Dad? Where's mom and dad? I, I'm here taking a test. Where are they at? And they may come on home and they may say, uh, Mom and dad, I took a test today. You were nowhere to be found. I didn't see you at all. Because we're expecting certain things. We're expecting things to happen in a certain way. And this is how God spoke to Gideon. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, he says. O mighty man of valor. God saw him as a mighty man of valor. He says, how is the Lord with us when the Lord has not been operating in a way of valor for us? The Lord has not fought for us. The Lord has not done these things. But God is saying this. He doesn't know all this yet, but God is saying, I am working through you to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I'm ready to do this, but I'm going to work through you. I'm going to work through you. This is how we're going to do it. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles? Which our fathers told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midian, Midianites. Well, he didn't deliver them into the hands of the Midianites. Their sin did. Now, a lot of times Christians, we walk in such a way, we walk in a way against the words of God. We walk away against the principles of faith. We walk against the principles of the things that he commanded. We Decide, I'm not going to go after the standard that God has set. I'm going to go after a different standard. I'm going to go after my own way. Because we have done that, it brings certain things down upon us. God doesn't want those things to come down upon us, but it brings certain those things down upon us. So we need to stand up to it. No, I am a man of valor. I am a woman of valor. I am a person who has God with him. I am a person who has God with, with her. Whatever my, whoever you are, God is with you. God is there. God is there to help you. And so you need to keep going. Through. No, God is with me. If God is with me, I can be that man of valor. I can be that woman of valor. I can be that person who stands up to the things that are against because God is with me. It's kind of like that. Um, do you remember how many people watched The Lion King? Anybody watch The Lion King? They had a, 
I didn't. Uh, I remember watching it once, once maybe twice. And it wasn't one that the kids really grabbed hold of a whole lot, at least not when I was there. But uh, they would watch it. And I like the one scene where uh, young Simba is standing before the, uh, I think it's the, the jackals or the, uh, the, some of the enemy that's there. And he's ready to roar and, and scare them guys off. He's got a little tiny roar, you know. He's, he's ready to get out there. And as he gets ready to roar, all of a sudden you hear this huge roar come out of his mouth. And you're thinking, and they all run off. And he's thinking, hey, that did, uh, did all right on that one. And then he turns around and here's dad. <laughs> Dad's behind him, and Dad gave the roar. This is what we have. When we stand up to the enemy, we have God behind us. Amen. And he is that, uh, what was his name? I forgot the name already. Mufasa. Yeah. <laughs> we got that Mufasa. And, of course, in the classic James Earl Jones voice. Oh, my word. <laughs> what a voice he had. And he just comes out there, and he just, uh, just, just loved listening to the man speak. It's... Um, it, this is what we have behind us. This is who we have. So we can stand up there and be a person of valor because I have God behind me. This is what God has to get over to Gideon. I need to edify you. I need to build you up because I need you to be a man of valor in the presence of the enemy. Right now you're cowering here in front of the wine press, behind the, the wine, in the barn, in the wine press. I can't have you be cowering over here. You're not going to be able to do what I need you to do. So God expects these words to have some positive effect on this. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now I wrote in your outline this, questioning is not receiving. What happened when God spoke to Moses? He questioned. And he kept questioning. Well, you ought not to send me because, you know, this. And what do they say? What do I say? What do they say? What do... He comes all these questions. Questioning is not receiving. The best case example of that is over in the New Testament, over at the Christmas story, which we had also just read over in the book of Luke. When Mary is given the words of God through the angel, she questioned to understand. But that's not how it was when, the, uh, when, he was, when Zacharias was told, you're going to have a baby, call his name John. No, he questioned to doubt. God will entertain questions to understand. He won't entertain questions to doubt. So Mary, she asked the question, and it was okay. He asked the question, uh-uh, now you're not going to speak. You're not going to get your words to, to mess this thing up. And so he couldn't speak. Gideon is questioning to doubt. He's not questioning to understand. He doubts this. I don't think that's true. I don't think God is with us. God said, I am with you. He says, I don't think God is with us. God didn't say, I am with Israel. He said, I am with you, mighty man of valor. He changed it. So often people change the words of God because they can't quite handle them the way they are. We've got to soften them. We've got to change them up a little bit. But God doesn't take that. Verse um, 13, Gideon said, uh, verse 14, I'm sorry. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So God's getting this home to him. Not talking about Israel, talking about you. 
That's who I'm talking about. Talking about you, Gideon. Don't be looking at Israel. Don't be brushing this off on them. Go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? That's a lot of you. He's trying to say, look, there's us. And God says, no, there's no us right now. There's you. You're the guy I'm talking to. You're the guy I'm working through. You're the guy I'm with. And you're the guy I send him. Just as I was with Moses. Moses, I'm not looking at Israel. I'm looking at you. I'm sending you. Joshua, not looking at Israel. I'm looking at you. You. You need to be courageous. You need to be staying with the things that God has said. I need you to do this. Don't be looking at everybody else. You could be looking at the words of God. Yeah, but the church. Now, God's not speaking to the church right now. He's speaking to you. I got to take care of me. What has God said to me to do? I got to accept that challenge. This is what Gideon has in front of him here, in front of him here, and he's not, uh, he's not liking it too much. So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. We always look at the natural things. We always look at, well, I don't have any talent. I don't have any ability. I don't have any money. I don't have any armies. I don't have any whatever it might be. I, don't, I just know I don't have what I need. Now look at this. Moses, when God came to him and said, Moses, you're the guy. I'm going to send you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. We're going to do these things together. But I'm working through you. I need you to step up. And Moses tries to come up with all these excuses, all these questions, all these reasonings not to do it. Gideon comes up with all these questions, all these reasonings not to do it. Joshua, how many questions, how many reasons did he give for not doing it? We missed that part, didn't we? He didn't do it. He heard. He received. Questioning is not receiving. Eventually, we got Gideon to the spot where he's not questioning. We got Moses to the spot where he's not questioning. Verse 16. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Surely I will be with you. This is supposed to mean something. This is supposed to have an impact in your life. Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. 17. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that this is who you who talk with me. I don't exactly know how the uh, Lord talked to him, but it seems like it was pretty dramatic. I wonder how many other dramatic words he has had in his life. Verse 18. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread with an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat, the unleavened bread, and lay it on on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So, the angel of the Lord appears to him. He hears the angel of the Lord speaking. He's not quite sure whether this is majestic enough. Maybe the angel of the Lord didn't come in quite the 
presence that he was expecting that to be. There was no burning, fiery bush. He was just there. He had a staff in his hand. He went away to, to get the, the offering. The angel of the Lord touched the offering with his staff. And the thing burst into flames. And now he's going to believe. Now he's going to say, Oh, that was the angel of the Lord. Verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abirzrites. So, now he's afraid. Now, I don't know how God spoke to him the second time. Doesn't actually give us all, all that. Uh, maybe he just came up in his spirit. Maybe there was an audible voice that he heard. But he heard that everything was going to be okay. He's not going to die because he saw the, saw the Lord. Understand this, the Lord does not do things to harm us or to hinder us, but to move us forward or get us unstuck. Sometimes we've just gotten stuck. He just needs to get you unstuck. You know, if you ever had a, uh, a vehicle stuck in the mud, stuck in sand, uh, you, need, you need something to come along to, to hit it or to move it somehow, get that thing out of the, the ditch that it's in, get that thing out of the place where it's stuck. Sometimes God needs to just hit us with something to get us unstuck, to move us along. This is what he's doing with Gideon here. Now it came to pass the same night as the Lord said to him. We don't know how he said to him on this one, but he said, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image, which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among him, his servants, and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Well, he still did it. He still got out there and he, he got the thing done. But isn't it interesting that he is questioning why God has allowed all these things to happen to the Midianites and right in his own backyard, at his own house, is an image that should not be there. Is the worship of a foreign god. And it shouldn't be there. It's right there in his own backyard. It's not like it's, it's down the road. It's not like it's in other places. It's right here. If it's right there in their backyard, it's probably in some other people's backyard. And still he's going to say this. Now, take this from this. God edifies us to use us. His purpose is to use us. God doesn't edify Gideon to let him just sit there and think about how good he is. That's not why he edified him. He has a purpose for him. He has a function for him. He says, look, I want you to go out. This is what I want you to do. I want you to tear down that, that image. I want you to tear down that idolatrous worship. I want you to burn it up. And so he did it. Now he makes note that he did it by night, but still... He did it. Now, if you read your, uh, your uh, bulletin today when you came in, you would have seen that in the quote, usually I try and get a quote that has, goes along with whatever it is we're getting into. But there's a quote that says, you will find if you think for a moment that the people who influence you are the people who believe in you. God believed in Moses. God believed in Joshua. 
God believed in Gideon. God believed in them. God believes in you. A lot of times we're over, we want to go on the other side. Do I believe in God? Am I operating in such a way to believe in God? But do remember this. God believes in you. God certainly showed that he believed in Moses because he wouldn't take no for an answer. Moses, you can do this. I believe in you. God believed in Joshua, but Joshua already believed in himself. And so God didn't have to do a whole lot there. God believed in Gideon. Gideon didn't believe in Gideon, but God did. How often God speaks these words to him or to God. He must see these words as having great significance to speak them so often. Maybe we've just become cold to the meaning. What I did was I went through the Bible and I wanted to pull out some of the places where this is used. And I wrote them there. I'm just going to read them over. They're not going to flash up on the screen. I'm just going to read them. But I wrote them in your outline in case you want to go back and read these over on your own. In Genesis 26 and verse 3, Live temporarily in this land, and I will be with you. I'm reading it from a very, uh, various uh, different translations. It's not all from the New King James. And I will be with you, and will bless you, and favor you. For I will give all these lands to you, and to your descendants, and I will establish and carry out the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will be with you. Genesis 28:15. And truly, I will be with you and keep you wherever you go, guiding you back again to this land, and I will not give you up till I have done all that I have said. 31, verse 3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your people, and I will be with you. God said, I will be with you to Abraham. God said, I will be with you to Isaac. God said, I will be with you to Jacob. He said these things to these people. I will be with you. In Exodus 3, 12, He certainly... He said, certainly I will be with you. This will be the token to you that I have sent you. When you are brought forth people out of the Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. To Moses he said it. Verse uh, 12 of chapter 4. Now then go and I, even I will be with your mouth and will teach you what you shall say. A few verses down, verse 15. You must speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I, even I, will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you are to do. Deuteronomy 31, 23, And he commanded and commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the sons of Israel into the land which I have sworn to give them, and I will be with you. Joshua 3, 7. We didn't read this one when we read chapter 1. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify and exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that just as I was with Moses, I will also be with you. Chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. So here we have it again. Those are the verses that talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. I will be with you. These are the people who had great assignments in the, in the beginning with God. Abraham started off the covenant. Isaac carried it on. Jacob carried it on from there. Moses, the deliverer. Joshua, the one who leads them into the promised land. These people, God keeps continually saying to them, I will be with you. 
First Kings 11.38 Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, this is speaking to Jeroboam, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. God was expecting that to have an effect upon Jeroboam. Isaiah 43 and verse 2 When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Jeremiah 1 and verse 8, Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. They will attack you, but they will not be able to overcome you, for I will be with you to rescue you, says the Lord. Jeremiah 15, 20, I will make you as a strong as strong as the as a wall to these people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will attack you, and they will not be able to overcome you, for I will be with you to rescue you and deliver you. So God's presence would make him a wall. Jeremiah 30, verse 11, For I will be with you. This is the Lord's declaration to save you. I will bring destruction on all nations where I have scattered you. However, I will not bring destruction on you. I will discipline you justly. And I will by no means leave you unpunished. So God promises, I will be with you. There was judgment that came down upon him. But look, after this judgment, after this discipline, I will be with you. I will save you. Verse 42, or I'm sorry, verse 11 of chapter 42. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, saith Jehovah, for I will be with you to, sir, to, to save you and to deliver you from his hand. That's a promise that God was speaking to the children of Israel. Don't be afraid of the king of Babylon. I'm telling you, you don't have to flee to Egypt. You don't have to leave. You don't have to go anywhere. You can stay right here. I will be with you to save you. Jeremiah 46, 28. And you, my servant Jacob, do not be afraid. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will be with you. This is the Lord's declaration. This is what he declares. I will bring destruction on all nations where I have banished you, but I will not bring destruction on you. I will discipline you with justice and I will by no means leave you unpunished. Over in the New Testament, Matthew 28, 20. And teach them to obey all the commands I have laid on you and I will be with you all the time to the very end of the world. That's a promise to you. I will be with you all the time. Acts 18, 10. For I will be with you and no one will attack you or hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Hebrews 13 and 5. Be free from the love of money and pleased with the things which you have. For he himself has said, I will be with you at all times. So if the Old Testament scriptures are not good enough, we've got these New Testament ones. You are a descendant of Abraham. God said to Abraham, I will be with you. He said to his direct descendant Isaac, I will be with you. He said to his direct, his direct dependent, I will be with you. He said to Moses, who was a descendant of Abraham, I will be with you. He said to Joshua, who was a descendant of Abraham, I will be with you. He said to Jeroboam, who was a descendant of Abraham, I will be with you. He said to Jeremiah, who was a descendant of Abraham, I will be with you. He said to Isaiah, I will be with you. All these descendants of Abraham, God speaks the exact same words, I will be with you. Then sometimes he tells it, I will be with you to save you. I will be with you to deliver you. I will be with you to help you. 
I will be with you to help you stand strong. I will be with you. Don't lose sight of that. Take that edification. When we are facing something that is tough, we need to look at these verses of Scripture. It says, I will be with you. And thus, not just look at them one nonchalant. Well, all right, God's going to be with me, but I'm still going through a mess. I'm still going through a hard time. I'm still having difficulty here. But he said, I will be with you. If God can speak effective words of edification that believers fail to receive, then is my lack of feeling encouraged and built up simply that I have not received the edification. Sometimes Christians are sitting in a place, I don't feel built up, I don't feel edified. I don't feel like I can go out and do the call that God has put on me. Is it because I have no edification or is it because I haven't received it? God has spoken. I will be with you. You sometimes just need to go through life, go through your day. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me to save me. The Lord is with me to deliver me. The Lord is with me to strengthen me. The Lord is with me to equip me. The Lord is with me. Whether nobody else is with you or not, makes no difference. The Lord is with you. God doesn't want to hear Moses saying, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have this. He's saying, I am with you. If I'm with you, it's all you need. He says it to Joshua. Joshua must have heard all the stories that Moses said. He must have seen all the things that Moses went through. And he said, Zip. <laughs> He just shut up. He just said, Yes, sir. I believe that. I thank you for reassuring me that you will be with me just as you were with Moses. Now let's go on and get this work done. And he did. God didn't have to argue with him. God didn't have to pull him into a place of believing. He heard it. He received it. And he went on from there. Great guy that, that, that he was. Now, Caleb, I wonder what went on in the life of Caleb. We don't have the writings of Caleb. We don't know all the things that went on with him. But he was just as bold as Joshua was. I think, some, I think he must have taken the heart, the Lord is with me. If the Lord is with Moses, if the Lord was with Abraham, if the Lord was with Isaac, if the Lord was with Jacob, the Lord is with me. Give me those mountains that nobody else wants. I'll go in there and take them out. And this is what we can become. David, the Lord is with me. And he fought great battles. Jonathan decided, the Lord is with me and went into battle. Saul finally decided, the Lord is with me and went into battle. Now, I didn't stay real long with him, but he finally did decide, the Lord is with me and he went into battle. He went in there timid, but he came out bold. The disciples were very timid at first. They all ran in the beginning, but then they became bold because they decided, the Lord is with me. Remember before Jesus went up into heaven, what did he say to us? The Lord is with me. He said, I will be with you. That's the same words God spoke to Abraham. That's the same words God spoke to Isaac. That's the same words God spoke to Jacob. That's the same words God spoke to Moses. That's the same words God spoke to Joshua. That's the same, and they would keep on going just like we did. That's the same words. The same words that were spoken to these others. He spoke it to me. Now, how can I make sure that I'm receiving the words that God has spoken to it? So, like we said last week, we brought was brought to you by the letter E and the number 5. I gave you some room there. I'm going to give you five things you can do to help you become a receiver of the edification that your God has given you. God is speaking edification. He's speaking edification in His Word. He's speaking edification to you in your spirit. 
regardless if you have anyone else in your life who's edifying you, I've got that down on the inside. I've got Spirit of God speaking edification to me. I've got the Word of God speaking edification to me. I've got what God has done to the people before. I've been taught those things. I've learned those things. I've got that helping me out. These are things that are there for you. I'm going to give you five things here. Number one, meditate on what God says as if you didn't get it all yet. Sometimes I have to take that attitude when I'm going to meditate on, on something in the Scriptures. Because, you know, you, you study the Word long enough, you can begin to think, I've got it all out of there. Of course, the more that we learn, the more then we can see. I've had enough of that go on that I know I don't see it all. But when you meditate on the Word, meditate on it in such a way that you understand. I don't, I don't have it all yet. Meditate on what God says as if you didn't get it all yet. When you go over what Jesus said to his disciples, now hold on a minute, I've heard this probably a hundred times, but I don't think I got it all yet. I want to go over, I want to meditate this like I didn't get it. I got Because there's something in there, I probably can still get more. Meditate on the words that God speaks to you for edification as if you did not get it all yet. Just like with Gideon. Gideon heard the words that, that God was speaking, but he's not getting what he's saying. I am with you, mighty man of valor. If the Lord is with us. See, he didn't hear it. He thought he heard it, but he didn't hear it. There's a lot of things that God has spoken to us, but we haven't heard it. We're hearing sometimes the wrong things. So that's the first one. Meditate on what God says as if you didn't get it all yet. Here's the second. Treat what God speaks as true, even if you don't feel it. Treat what God speaks as true, even if you don't feel it. It is not pride to accept what God says about you as true. It is pride when you reject what God says about you as true. That is pride. Because that is saying, I know better than God. I understand better than God. I see more than God. But don't do that. Treat what God speaks as true, even, you can almost put in there, especially if you don't feel it yet. How many things has God spoken to you in His Word? How many things has God spoken to you in your spirit? You just don't feel it. I'm not feeling that. Mm-hmm. Gideon, mighty man of valor. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. I am not feeling that. Moses, I'm not feeling what you're saying, Lord. I'm just not feeling it. Joshua, I don't know if he was feeling it or not, because he didn't say. He may not have been feeling it, but he says, okay. All right. I'm going to believe that. Mary, she may not have been feeling it, but what'd she say? Okay. Zechariah, he wasn't feeling it. What'd he say? I'm not feeling it. That didn't work out so well. Treat what God says, what God has spoken to you, as if it's true. Even if you don't feel it. Well, God, if you said it, I know it has to be true. Can't really see it right now, but I know it has to be true. Here's number three. Question to understand, but don't question to doubt. 
Don't question the doubt. Question to understand, but don't question the doubt. Well, I don't think it's true. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you really mean. Don't question the doubt, but question to understand. Mary questioned to understand. Others questioned to doubt. What God spoke to me is what I need to get me is what I need to get me through. What did God speak to you? Well, God spoke this and this and this to me. Okay, so go do it. Well, I, I still don't know about this area and I don't know about this area and what's going to happen over here and then there's this thing over here and what's going to happen. What God spoke to you is what you need. What God spoke to Moses is what he needed to get started. Now, later on, God's going to speak to him some more things to help him out with the rest of the process. But God gave him what he needed to get started. Very often, God will speak things to you. You don't have everything for the whole task just yet, but you have what you need to get started. Get started. Get going with what you have. Well, what do I know? Well, I know this, I know this, and I know this. The enemy is always going to point to you. You don't know this, and you don't know this, and you don't know this. But God wants you to focus on what he has revealed to you. And just know this. What I know right now is what I need to get me going. Very few times does God tell people everything they need to know for the whole thing, for the whole task. Even Paul, when God called Paul, what did he say to him? He said to the prophet, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He don't know what's coming yet. But I gave him enough to get started. And that's what we had to do. So, number four, what God spoke to me is what I need to get me through. Don't be, don't be listening. Well, I need to know this. Well, what about this? Well, if God had just told me what would happen if we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if he had just told me that, I would be okay. No, God didn't need to tell you that. What he needed to tell you was, eat from every tree in the garden except this one. That's all he needed to tell you. But the devil made him start to, start to think, well, why, didn't God, why did God leave that out? Why did God not tell me what would happen if I were to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? If he would have only told me what would happen if I ate from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, I never would have done it. So God, it's your fault. If you just would have done this. See, we'll, we'll do the same thing in our own lives. If God only told me that this was going to happen, that this was going to be this way, that this was up ahead of me, that this is what I was against. If he only told me that ahead of time, I would have been okay. No, what he told you is what you need to know. There's more, he'll tell you. So what God spoke to me as number four is what I need to get me through. Here's the fifth one. If God believes in you, shouldn't you? If God believes in you, if God is truly all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, knows the end from the beginning, if He believes in you, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you believe in you? Shouldn't you have faith that what God calls you to do, He's able to perform? Since you have faith that if God got you started, God will get you through and finish it. Amen. If you can do those five things, it will help you out. 
Let me give them to you one more time. Just make sure you got them. Meditate on what God says as if you didn't get it all yet. Treat what God speaks as true even if you don't feel it. Question to understand, but don't question to doubt. What God spoke to me is what I need to get me through. And if God believes in you, shouldn't you? If you can work on those things, you will find yourself better able to receive the edification that God has given. You won't just look at that and say, well, the Lord is with me. Big deal. Well, the Lord is with us. The Lord was with us. Why are all these evil things happening to us? Why is this going on? Why is this going on? I haven't received the edification that I need to receive from that. You all can see this in your own life. How many people in your life have tried to edify you, build you up on something, and you you refused it? Some person comes up to you and says, oh, that is such a nice dress. Oh, this old thing? Well, it's not really my favorite. Uh, you know, we come, we come up with a way to put it down. Because I, I don't want to receive the edification. Edification is out there. Very often, we're just not receiving it. There's edification from people. There's some edification from the things that people have received from us, from the things we have done to help them. But we're not receiving it because we've shut down. If you can work on these five things, you can receive from God. And if they will work to help you receive from God, you'll be better able to receive from others. God has edification out there. He wants you to be built up by the things that He says. He wants you to be built up by the things that other people are saying to you as well. Don't shut it down. There's edification out there. You can be a part of the edification. You can be a help in that. Just remember, you are already one who edifies. You just got to find out, am I edifying the kind of behavior that I want to see? Or am I edifying and encouraging the kind of behavior that I don't? Go to God and ask Him, God, why is it that I always get this kind of behavior? Why is it that I'm always seeing these things? What is it that I'm doing? And let God begin to help you to see what's going on. Would you, would you stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the examples that You give us in this area of edification of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Mary, Zechariah, so many people you edified, you built them up. The list goes on and on. There's so many people in the Word that we can look at. Some received your edification and some did not. We want to be among those that receive the edification. Not those who turned it down. Not those who wouldn't receive it. Jeroboam was edified in the things of God. God spoke to him some of the same words he spoke to others, but he didn't take it. He didn't receive it. He didn't see it as all that important. The Lord is with me. I don't think that's really going to help me. When I face all these particular things, I'll have to make this on my own. 
Father, you have edification in your word. You have edification. You speak to our spirit. You have words you have already spoken to us. We need to go back and hang on with them. Not let them go. They are words to edify us to do the thing that you have called us to do. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you keep looking for opportunities to edify, opportunities to speak words of edification. But this week, especially, be looking for how am I doing in receiving the edification that my God gives me. What is He out there to? What is He out there trying to speak to me to help me out with? I think I uh, wrote in your bulletin about our.